We're going to go ahead and carry on our study in practical theology. You can go ahead and turn with me to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13, and I need a strong reader who would like to uh, read that for us this morning. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13, nice and loud. Put on the full armor of God, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Mm. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything to stand firm. Wow. Wow, pretty incredible. So far from being, we know that we're getting closer to the end of the epistle to the Ephesians, and thereby this is an epistle to the universal church, right? So as we read these things, we are directly to apply them to ourselves and our circumstances and our time. Spiritual warfare was not something that the that only, right, the um, uh, that the first century church that the New Testament church was going through, uh, but this is to be applied to the universal church and thereby and therefore to every age. So far from being a side note as it is at the end or an irrelevant appendix to the letter, and by the way, you know, spiritual warfare is kind of like a side note to everything that he mentioned, but it is one of the foundational elements of this letter. And having laid the foundation of the indicatives, we've talked about those, that, he, that these are all the truths, right, that we are to consider that are real about Christians in Christ. And having laid those things in Ephesians 1, 2, 3, we've noticed that Ephesians 4 through 6 is how those apply to us. Therefore, this is how you should live. This is how you should live in light of your union with Christ, right? This is how mothers should treat their children in light of their union with Christ. This is how husbands should love uh, their wives in light of the union with Christ. How even single people, how you, are to, uh, how you are to even wage warfare and how you are to live uh, and how we are to uh, share the gospel and fulfill the Great Commission in the church and around the world. And so though some Christians, like we were just talking about, though some Christians may not have a wife or have children, there is one thing that applies to every single one of us, and that is the fact that we will all have spiritual warfare. This applies to every person in the church. No matter your circumstances, every, this, this, uh, this command, uh, these instructions, they all apply to us. And understand this, that it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, right? Or how mature you are, you will never outgrow your need to fight this war. You will never outgrow your need to fight this war. And our greatest example of this is Jesus himself, the most holiest man to walk the earth, right? His ministry began and ended with spiritual warfare and opposition. So it's not a matter of how uh, mature you are. It isn't even a matter of, you can have perfect obedience as Christ did. You will not escape spiritual warfare. So far from being, you know, uh, I think oftentimes we can slip into this. I have before the absence of spiritual struggles, right? Or the absence of uh, spiritual warfare in the Christian life. Far from being a sign of maturity, right? We see that Christ himself also uh, battled with these things in in the same time. And... 
And it isn't necessarily that spiritual warfare will be easier, right, as you become more holy. But oftentimes the opposite is true. And I would say the opposite is true. Uh, the more you the more you seek to be holy and to be as righteous as you can be in the sight of God, as righteous as a pardoned sinner can be in the sight of God, the more opposition you'll receive. I think that you all can probably attest to that. The more you are on the front lines of ministry, like Gail and, and her services with dolls, the more you are pressing into uh, to be effective in the world for Christ, the more opposition you're likely to uh, likely to feel against yourself. And this is, this is what happens when, when, when God's people are on the front lines. They will experience greater uh, degrees of opposition. And so as we get into this letter, just in the introduction of this, there's a couple of things we have to keep in mind that Satan is real, that he is always lurking to sweep away the unsuspecting, to sweep away those who are not ready for those who are living complacently, comfortably, easily in the Christian life, and much of that is already evidence that we are giving in and that he is gaining ground on us. And so Christians are not to be ignorant of his schemes, right, brother? I was just going to point out that some actually think that it's a sign of spirituality that you don't have any problems, if you don't have any issues, when in fact... The very opposite is, seems to be true according to Scripture, that for all of those who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted, right? Will, will endure troubles and trials and things. And Peter, chapter 3, uh, really spoke to me, uh, starting in verse 15, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, only be ready to give defense for everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. And keep a good conscience, so that in the thing that you are sl- in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better, if God should will it so, that you suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. Amen. Amen. Suffering. Right. You're saying it's the proof. It's the, you know what I'm saying? It's the proof that you're running this race, that you're on the front lines. I, I actually, I just, just was just reading this. I missed over my quote. Something that MacArthur said. It really, it really hit me hard. Um, but he says this, a Christian who no longer has to struggle against the world, the flesh, and the devil is a Christian who has either fallen into sin or into complacency. A Christian who has no conflict is a Christian who has retreated from the front lines of service. Incredible. So the absence of struggle in a Christian life indicates a present decay, right? A present, it's a, it indicates a decay in zeal. It indicates a, 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 a decay in and uh, and your uh, ambition for Jesus Christ to be glorified, uh, it indi- it indicates that there is really lifelessness in the soul when you should be full of life and vigor and zeal. Um, does that make sense? Okay. Well, let's go ahead and get into this. Verse 10 says this, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And I just want to ask a question to us, not a rhetorical question. Go ahead and answer. What does it mean to be strong in the Lord? Knowing his word. word, Being equipped with his word. Amen. Being firm in the faith. You just you, you just kind of rephrase the question a little bit. What does it mean to be firm in the faith? 
Yeah, amen. We get into that. Like like Sister said, grounded uh, in knowing who God is, what His Word says, uh, what you are, what is required of you as someone who is a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, that just is a way to sum all of that up. Sure. Um, being obedient to the to the gospel. Amen. Amen, brother. Yeah, just you know, in, from the context of saying trusting in His power, you know, to mm. wage war. Right. You know, as we say, you know, pull up by our own bootstraps to resist the devil or right. fight our own flesh. Amen. Amen. Beers? Yeah, I'm just thinking just put on the whole armor of God so you can stand upon the darts of the devil. Mm hmm. Tactics, schemes. Putting on his armor. Amen. Surgery, Amen. 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 Very true. Yes, brother. Running to him for refuge rather than to man. Amen. 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 Hiding in the Lord. Yes, brother. I, I just had one more thing that I just noticed. You know, it says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Mm. So really, it's it's understanding your role and understanding where that is coming from. Like Brother Chris said, uh, that that what you apply in, in the faith is also required of you, but it's ultimately dependent upon what God is doing in you. Amen. Hey, man, that's good. That's good. And I, I hope we can just continue this conversation so that we all edify from this. Be strong in the Lord, right? It could literally be translated as this. Be empowered. Be strengthened. It almost, it's a passive in the Greek, uh, this, this word here. Uh, it, it means that, and I wanted to point out that this, uh, this literal kind of rendering of this word um, because the thrust of it uh, will, will, will give you an idea that we are, to be, we are to be strengthened in the Lord. We are to be empowered in the Lord or by the Lord, meaning he is our source of strength. Believers, the, 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 the reason, the thrust of this Greek word is, 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 to, uh, is to show believers that we do not empower ourselves, right? Uh, but instead, we lay hold of divine resources and strength in the Lord, right? Be strong in the Lord. He's the very source and the fountainhead of our strength in the Christian life. He supplies everything that is necessary, everything that we need for this fight. And so Paul is preparing us, right? He's preparing us for war. That's incredible. I bet most churches really don't even tell you that. I mean, I didn't sign up for that. I mean, war? You told me to believe, right, and, and repent and believe, but now you're saying I got to get ready for war too. Amen. We got to be ready for war. It's the, the whole cosmic picture of how we live our life in this world, and the spiritual reality is a reality, right? It's not just materialism, and it's not just uh, you know um, our our worldview is not atheistic in any degree whatsoever. We are spiritual. There are hidden realities. Uh, that God has told us about in his word. And so believers must be prepared to fight. And that means that if we're going to end right, we must also begin right, right? If we begin to war according to the flesh, if we begin to not find our strength in the Lord, but we operate with our own carnal weapons, uh, our own wisdom and strength, we will inevitably lose and we will suffer defeat, Right, But our goal is to abandon all vain and empty attempts of relying on our own strength, relying on our own wisdom, and entrust ourselves to completely and wholly depend on God and His strength and His wisdom. And then, 
And only then can we be strong in the Lord. Amen? After all, this is what is consistent with our nature. We are the true circumcision, right? We are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. We are known as those who are depending on God for our strength, right? Here's a question for you. What is man able to do in his own flesh and strength? Amen. What's that? Rebel against God. Nothing good. Nothing good. Can he do things? He can do things, right? But like Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. He wasn't saying that you can't like walk or you can't breathe. You do all of those things. But what he's saying is that you can't do anything that is pleasing to God. You cannot do anything that is of any eternal value apart from Jesus Christ. So any battle fought alone without the help of the Lord is absolutely a losing battle. And I want to get that through our minds. That without the Lord, there's nothing we can do. Nothing pleasing to him. Nothing of eternal weight and value. It's all chaff apart from the Lord. And all of us, I believe, we can... Yes, brother. Go ahead. You may be bringing this up, so... Yeah. So, uh, definitely proceed. But it makes me think of... She and I were reading through the Old Testament and how often it talks about, hey, you're not actually going to win because the Lord isn't giving that army into your hands. And they may go out, you know, David or Saul or whomever, right. go out to fight a battle, but the prophet tells them the Lord is or isn't with you. Right. And basically told them they were or were not going to defeat their enemy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Amen. Amen. That's a great point. And just to see who we are in our own selves, all you have to do is remember what your life looked like before Christ came in and and loosed the bonds and chains of sin in your life. Um, he who sins is a slave of sin. And so all of your power didn't even amount to loosing yourselves from your own, from the dominion of sin itself. We're not very strong. And, it's, it's, and, and, and in fact, it's, it's you, your spiritual freedom or your ability to serve God is completely dependent upon the sun setting you free. If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. That's right. That's right. It's incredible. So it's, it's seen in God's strong arm and Jesus Christ's ability to set you free. And so by ourselves, we have no ability to do anything, really. We have no power in ourselves if the Son sets you free. And so freedom does not come by free will, but by free grace. And, and, that's, uh, and, and that's, what the, that's what's consistent with the Bible. And so the same goes with the spiritual battle. It is only by his strength that believers can overcome the wiles and the temptations of the devil and sin. And Paul, he could say that he wasn't overcome by the world. He wasn't overcome by what he didn't have, right? He was able to be content in everything, even writing his letter from, to the Philippians from the prison, he could say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All of his strength, the source of his strength came from Christ himself. And, because, and so we can fight the spiritual battle. We can war against Satan because we stand in Christ and he stands on Satan's head. He has won the victory for us. And by virtue of our union with him, we can partake of those victories. That's why we can have victory in the Christian life. Any questions? I was just thinking something from last week you mentioned, Landon, 
uh, Ephesians 2 Timothy, for his workmanship in Christ Jesus, for good works which God prepared beforehand, so that we would walk in. Amen. Good works not coming from us. They're his good works. And you know, we're just active in it. Amen. Amen. Same with Philippians. He's working in you for his good will for his will his will and good pleasure. That's right. That's right. Working and willing. Praise God. And the next verse. So we are to be strong in the Lord and we and in the strength of his might. And he goes on and says, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. So putting verses 10 and 11 together, right? Be strong in the Lord go in, and go and the, the strength of his might. Um, then he, he puts this together. Put on the full armor of God. This really is, he's really summarizing what is the strength of his might? What is the, what is the strength of the Lord, as he mentions here? How are we to be strong in the Lord? The next verse just goes on and says, put on the full armor of God. We, that's, that's exactly how we are strong in the Lord, by putting on his armor. And then Paul moves to why believers must be strong. In order to gain from God's power and spiritual resources, we must put on the four, full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. And so we are to put on the armor of God. What this doesn't mean is that you can necessarily take off the armor of God, but you can choose not to use it. It would be like having your, your, your carrying permit, right? And you have these weapons, and then, you know, you, you, another guy who, I mean, you have Satan himself who's coming after you with weapons and you're choosing to fight with your hands. I mean, so you always have these weapons on you, right? It'd be like a lion, right? He's just like decked out with these teeth and these claws and he just tries to intimidate someone with his roar. Uh, but we are to put on the armor of God. We actually have these things. And so it's not like you know, okay, I'm, I'm going to put on the armor of God as I go out in the world and I'm going to come home and kind of like get in my pajamas, right? It's not like you're putting on work clothes and then you've got the armor of God clothes and then you've got, you know what I'm saying? But you put on the armor of God when you put on Christ Jesus. He is your armor. That is the armor of God, the strength of God, the strength of his might. Uh, that's what that means uh, when we talk about those things. And so, yes, brother. So, because you said that, and that makes total sense, uh, why then does it seem like he's saying this is something we should do if it's if he's talking to Christians? I guess in my mind, I'm yeah. assuming he's, he's talking to Christians. And so in essence, they already put it on. Right. So why is he restating mm-hmm. what I guess already applies to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is this is and I, I and I would say this: our discernment is so spiritually fallen that I think that we always have to be reminded about the battle. That we always have to be. I mean, how often? How often do you know when Satan's empire and kingdom is upon you, and he's trying to wage war against you? How often do you not realize it? Right. I can tell you I don't realize it all the time. My, my spiritual discernment is so fallen that I'm not able to discern who is attacking me all the time or, or what kind of presence and, and what kind of demonic influence is coming about or in my realm that I, I can, I'm prone to forget. I'm prone to, I'm prone to, because we are so woefully fallen. And that's to our shame that we don't. 
but we have to we have to we have to be reminded of those things and i think that's what he's doing here and um and the greek word actually it's kind of like a it's kind of like a passive in the sense where he's not necessarily uh saying that uh, like the 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 thrust of the word isn't that you can put it on at any second but it's that you should use it something like that yeah yeah brother it seems like it's almost the same motivation of warning against apostasy right the bible teaches us we can't apostatize if you're truly in the lord but yet those warnings are still used as a way to keep us in the faith amen amen and i would and i would say uh, uh Added on to that, the armor of God is synonymous with the strength of the Lord. And so you're to go in his strength. And so this is what you're supposed to do. Uh, this, and this is the, this is the kind of uh, exegetical uh, sequence of these terms, is that these are, these are both kind of synonymous. You're to walk in the Spirit, right? Do all things in the strength of the Lord. Put on the, you know what I'm saying? Put on the armor of God. Those things are kind of synonymous in this text. So, and then he goes on and says this. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you may, be, you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. This word stand firm, it, it, uh, it kind of has the thrust of a, of, uh, of, a, of a military sense in it. You are to stand firm. And um, we can see how this, under, we, can, we, can, uh, we can see and understand this word uh, to mean holding your position, right? Um, uh, holding your position while you're under attack. I don't know. If, I don't know if you've seen. Uh, if, you, if you guys have seen Braveheart, um, it's it's a classic. Older people will probably seen that. Um, I don't think, I've never. I've. No, I, I don't think. Hold on. No, I've seen it. Okay, I'm in that group. I can. I'm in that group. I. If I'm in it, I can put it down. A- amen. Amen. I'm in that. I've never said that about anything until today. Older people like myself. That day's coming, right? It doesn't matter. It's coming for every single one of you. But you remember Braveheart. Braveheart. Braveheart, right? I mean, the, 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 huh? He's got the blue face. He's got, he's just, he's just, uh, he's just, um, what is he doing? He always gives his speech, you know, he's riding on his horse. He's got this great speech that he's always giving. And they're preparing for opposition and this other, uh, the, uh, the army of the opposing team. Right, they're 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 riding their horses and they're galloping on them, and what is uh, what is his name? Wallace, William Wallace, Mel Gibson. You know what does he do? He's got his hand up. He's saying, "Hold!" You remember that? I don't know if you guys remember that, but he's telling the army to hold, right? And the other army is coming after them, right? And you, you see that their anxieties in their face, and they're just like, "When can we like you know really defend ourselves with our spears?" And then he says, now, and they're all grouped together. They, they throw down their spears. They pick up, their, they shove their spears in the ground. And the ho- they impale all the horses and their enemies right up upon them. But they're standing firm. You know what I'm saying? Right upon, when the, when the devil comes, they put, up their, they put up their spears. You know what I'm saying? They put up their shields and they stand firm together. They're all around and they're standing firm. I saw, I saw, I thought of that when I came to this text. Uh, I haven't seen that movie in forever. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and so, but that's what we're supposed to do. We are to stand firm against, it says here, against the schemes of the devil, right? And that is our enemy here that is in view. Because he is God's enemy, he is also our enemy. And his goal is to try to thwart the will of God by attacking God's people, by attacking God's design. 
uh, in and through redemption, how what God is doing to redeem his people and to renew the world, uh, everything that God is doing, Satan wants to attack. And this word schemes here in the Greek is the same as this word methodia, right? Which is where we get the word method. And the devil has many methods by which he is crafty, cunning, deceptive, and he does these things against mankind and against the saints of God. And so the, the word, it carries this meaning, uh, the thrust of the word is basically like a predator stalks its prey, right? Like a predator stalks its prey, like the stealth of a hunter, right? Jonathan knows this. You're trying to be stealthy. You want to be cunning. You want to, you want to move in such a way as the enemy won't find you or whatever you're hunting won't notice you, right? You're trying to be stealthy, hidden, quiet, you know, that's why they put on camo, because they're trying to make sure that no one sees them. And these are the schemes that it's talking about. They are, they are, uh, they are and this is how the devil stalks believers, almost like a predator and prey, very cunning and crafty. And so the evidence of that is seen in disbelief, in doubt, in the existence of the devil. That is direct evidence of his powerful ability to deceive mankind. To deceive saints, if you're not believing in the devil, if you're not believing in this unseen world, this reality that wants to oppose you and destroy you, that's something that we have to be renewed in our minds because we can quickly begin to become comfortable and, uh, you know, we can quickly put down or not use the armor of God. We're not dressed in readiness, um, but we have to oppose that, right? Our minds need to be changed when it comes to our we have the, uh, this whole postmodern mindset that wants to settle in, and we cannot be held captive to that, right? We cannot be conformed to the world, but we must be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And, and that, is our, that is the way that God has given us to be able to discern his will in this world. And so what do we know about Satan? I'll ask you that. What do we know about Satan, and how do we know he exists? Amen. That's what we have to believe. We have to, we have to believe it because Jesus taught about it. Jesus taught about it. And not only that, Jesus spoke to him. Jesus spoke to him. Peter, Paul, James, John, the writer of the Hebrews, they all speak about Satan and the devil as a personal being who was once a chief angel who was thrown down to earth. He opposes God's work. We see that in Zechariah 3.1. He twists God's word in Matthew 4.6. He hinders God's servants. He hinders the reception of the gospel that we see when we cast the seed out. The devil's going out to snatch it up. Uh, he appears as an angel of light trying to deceive and introduce false doctrine into the church. Uh, he, he brings sin into the world, right? Sin existed before Adam and Eve, right? We see that in the fall of Satan. And now the whole world lies in his power. I mean, the, there's such a great, a great doctrine in the Bible about who Satan is, who the devil is. Did you have a question, brother? No? Uh, I have a good book, though, by the way. It's called Satan Cast Out. It's a reformed book, and if you want to study uh, uh, a, a biblical study on demonology, Satan Cast Out is a really good book from a reform perspective. And um, what's that? The author is, the author is by uh, Frederick Leahy. And that's L-E-A-H-Y. Satan Cast Out. It's a really, really good book. 
And so we know that scripture talks about that Satan is, he's the ruler of the demons in Luke eleven fifteen, the ruler of this world, John sixteen eleven, the God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, as well as the prince of the power of the air in Ephesians 2, 2. And then we see that Satan's domain is the world in 1 John 2, 15 through 16 when we put those things together. But we see that the, the early church was always attacked and they understood spiritual warfare. They're always in it. And this is going to be true of every generation following. Yes, brother. Um, I was just reminded of First uh, Peter 5, um, beginning of verse 8. It says, Be sober of spirit, be on mm. your Your adversary the devil crawls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him firm in your faith, knowing that... Uh, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren. Amen. Amen. And this is true of us today, right? This is true of us today and a reason to put on, we have to keep on the armor of God. Yes, brother. Right. Demonic, you know, oh, amen. So, 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 like, you need a good balance, like, to remember, like, I, I think both, like, amen. is, you know, out growing like a lion. Mm-hmm. But knowing, hey, the Lord. That's like, right. Steve Lawson says, Satan is, Satan is God, Satan. You know? That's right. That's right. That's right. I think um, a good study on that would be the study of Job. Satan is on the end of his leash, and he only goes as far as the Lord allows him. Sure. In the study of Job. Right. Um, and I think just knowing that as much as we see, keeping that balance, brother, I think is you know, a good place to go in trying to work that out. It was true, you know, he's the prince of the power of the air and the little g god of this world and things like that. And yet we see that the one ruling over him is supreme over Right. Amen. Amen. He only has as much power as God gives him. Right to yield on the earth, and you do want to be careful. You can go into some churches where you you start twitching. You know, it's like, well, that guy's got a demon. You know, someone someone did that with James White. Yeah. They they paused him, and he was like fixing his glasses, and they're like, look how demon possessed he is. You know, or if you sneeze, you've got like three demons or something. You know, we you know there is a, a, a sensitivity to that that is just you know it's not biblical, right? It's not biblical. That it, it's. Uh, yeah, and, and it's and and um. Satan is is not just after it's not he's not seen in those puny attempts of like you know of what some churches call he's real he he wants to really destroy you it's not just like these other churches they make it you know uh, they what they're talking about is not spiritual warfare you know uh, but it's it's foolishness uh, verse twelve goes on for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. That word struggle, pale, is, uh, it means conflict. For our struggle, our conflict, our wrestling, right? It's a wrestling match, your spiritual warfare. Uh, and it's not just that you're on the offense, but you're also on the defense. And we're, just, we're not just uh, are waging war on Satan and his armies, right? But they're actively waging war against us at the same time. And that's what we have to be 
aware of. That's why scripture tells us that we must put on the armor of God. We must be living and walking in the spirit. We must be going out in the might of his strength, right? And so it's not just with the world that we can see, but it's with the world that we can't see that is wanting to wage war against us. And I love this. Ultimately, like we just said, is that Jesus Christ has has defeated Satan ultimately. And by virtue of our union with him, we partake of those victories. And I love, uh, but uh, we see this a kind of dualism in this promise uh, that uh, a, a theologian, Robert Haldane, he said that there were two victories to be obtained over Satan. He says, by the first, his head, his head was to be bruised under the feet of Jesus Christ. And the second, the rest of his body will be bruised under the feet of believers. And I don't know if you know where I get that from. We see the the second victory is because of the first. It's connected with the first and what Jesus Christ did on the cross that we see we see Genesis 3:15 being fulfilled on the cross and then we see Romans 6:20 being fulfilled in the church. He says this, "And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet." Isn't that incredible. He will soon crush Satan under your feet. It's our work, but it's God's power. God will crush Satan under your feet. And you see this same dynamic uh, when we are fighting sin and when we are looking to God and putting our faith in him, when our flesh is rising up and we're filled with temptation. Uh, this same dynamic is also happens in Romans 8.13, where it says, If you live according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the flesh, You will live, right? It's your work, but it's the Spirit's power. It's the Spirit's strength. If you, by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the flesh. So it's God's power, but it's our work, and that's sanctification. You can see that sanctification is indeed it's a synergistic, meaning it's it's us and work, it's us and God working together. He's given us His instructions. He's given us this power, and He's enabled us to put these things to death. Does that make sense? Any questions? And so our struggle is not against flesh and blood, right? Meaning like the physical realm of things, but the invisible, uh, the spiritual realm. And Paul here describes the invisible makeup as he goes into these right here. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And Paul begins to describe here the invisible makeup of Satan's evil and demonic empire that includes an array of different rankings with respect to uh, the the with respect to the different powers, right? The different rulers of the vast multitude of Satan's armies, his agents, his emissaries, uh, his, his whole army that does his bidding and his work, right? And this is a real and a supernatural empire that presently exists within our sphere of existence. I don't know about you, but that sounds like something you should be concerned with. I don't think it's something you should be concerned with when you have the armies of Satan mounted up as a cannon against you and wants to destroy you when we think about these unseen realities. Yes, ma'am. Um, One is end times, 
That's right. Not that we know know them all, but just don't be ignorant of it. That's right. You know, be aware. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Right, right. And that's what he wants us. That's and this is why he is informing us of everything. Right? It's not flesh and blood. These in, this invisible realm that presently exists. Right? It's a lot to think about. A lot to wrap your mind about, but when you when you hear about it, when you're presented with its reality, uh, you should be concerned with it. That's what Paul wants us to do. You should be so concerned about it that it should cause you to put on the armor of God. It should cause you to want to go, okay, and that's, that's of course, that's Paul's whole deal here. His, his whole argument is he, 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 he unleashes what Satan is able to do, and then he says, therefore, take up the full armor of God. In essence, he's saying, therefore, you need God. I mean, because of these powers that are mounted against you. Therefore, you need him. Right? And so you should want to ask these two questions. Yes, ma'am. That's right. That's right. Stand firm. Amen. You should, the knowledge of this should provoke in you these two questions, right? Who is my enemy? He tells us who, the, who our enemy is and how can we, how can we fight to win the battle? And that is, the, these are the instructions that he gives us here. And notice that the word against, it seems to proceed or come before every new category of demonic activity, each having some level of authority within the grand plan of Satan's schemes, right? That's what you see here against uh, the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness and so on, that it reflects a very high degree of order in, in Satan's empire, a high degree of structure, uh, within this whole thing, with his design to absolutely wreak havoc in the world and to wreak havoc on God's saints, God's holy ones. Anybody have any questions about that? Is this making sense? And so Paul's brief description of Satan's empire this invisible realm that is described as God's enemy, right? Enemies of the saints is, is, is not so much to be exhaustive in any sense, but it's to emphasize the strength of the enemy, the structure of his army, and an exhortation to put on the armor of God as we were just showing. Paul is essentially showing us the weakness of man. And then he immediately points us to our great necessity to seek, live, and hide in the power of God. Any questions? Okay. I know you guys are just taking this in. That's okay, too. I had to take it in, too. I was preaching to myself all week. And so this is your enemy. Therefore, we need God. In him... In Christ lies our victory over sin, death, and Satan. He is the source of our protection and confidence. God is the, str- he is the strength 
of my opposition. He is the strength of he is he is my he he is the person who empowers my fighting, my struggling, this conflict. And he's the one who gives me endurance when Satan seeks to shake my confidence and the promises of God. As James says, we are to resist the devil and he will flee from you. James 4, 7. And so we are to fight and God has given us all the tools necessary in this fight. The same spirit is what we're told. This mighty strength of God that now works in believers that worked uh, in raising Jesus Christ from the dead, the same spirit that raised him from the dead, uh, now fills and lives in believers. The same spirit that rose Christ in triumph from the dead and, and, and defeated and was able to free us from the shackles of sin to defeat the devil all in the same vein. That same spirit lives in us to defeat these things. The same spirit lives in us to give us victory over death, to give us victory over sin. And so that same spirit which conquered death, Satan, right, and sin, now lives in us to do the exact same thing. Really incredible. If this resurrection power of God, right, if it defeated the devil at the cross, how will he overtake you, right? How will he overtake us in the fight, right? If we have the same strength, how can he win against us? If that same strength, which already defeated him, the ultimate win in Christ is given to us. We have the strength of God on our side. And so Christians are no longer held captive to Satan's dominion. uh, But God's, but we are now in God's dominion with all of the advantages that that entails. And so if we are constantly Trusting in the Lord, we cannot fall. Our only way of defeat would be to fall into sin by taking our eyes off Christ. And that's what happens. That's how it happens. And it's so easy in the Western world to become comfortable, complacent, and lukewarm, right? As MacArthur's quote was just saying, if there's, no, if there's, if, if, if there's an absence of spiritual warfare in your life, that is not a sign of maturity, but maybe a sign that we've backed off the front lines of serving Christ, right? That we've backed off the front lines of giving God all the glory for everything in our lives. And that's my question, even to us. Do our wars involve the armor of God? Do your wars involve the armor of God, of trusting in him, going in his strength? And I think some Christians might not even know what I'm talking about. War? They might be thinking I'm talking about a basketball game or something, or I'm talking about a football game, you know, that kind of war, uh, you know, they, where, 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 they, where they experience defeats and victories. They, but, but when it comes to the spiritual reality, it really is something that most are unaware of. Since, uh, what you mentioned about us keeping our eyes on the Lord yeah. makes me think of Matthew 14 when Peter is walking in the water. Yeah, that's right. Fine, but then he loses faith or takes his focus off of Jesus, right. and he starts to go under. Amen, amen. And that's exactly that's exactly what we mean, and that's that's we will we will absolutely fall. Yeah. Oh yeah. To get a negative response is better than even well, no response. 
Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it, and it shouldn't surprise us. We're going out to the domains of darkness and they're just they're acting in consistently with their nature, wanting wanting to kind of wanting to reject the Lord, wanting to not receive anything, you know, from us and things like that. So any any victory in that is really because of the Lord. It's because of the drawing hand of God for these people to even take a track, uh, you know, and, and of course the results are completely up to him. But then again, you know what, we're, we're, we're striving to please the Lord in that. And that's what makes being rejected, right, something that isn't going to weigh us down. It's not something that, because cause you're not being, if you're, if you're rejected, uh, it's, it's not that you're, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's not that you're not being obedient, right? You're absolutely being obedient, and, uh, and we're, we're striving to please the Lord. Um, losing my train of thought here. Um, but but we're, not, uh, we're not displeasing to the Lord if we're not gaining converts and things like that, you know. So we're not, to, we're not to measure those things based off of our, you know, our victory, so to speak. Yes, brother. So, question, I mean, obviously I think that this, this spiritual warfare is, I mean, obviously the day-to-day, but how much can we attribute to Satan? Definitely, like, when we go out, I think, Saturday nights in, in open air, versus, like, the aspect of us being by our own desires or, yeah um, that's shown in James chapter one mm-hmm. you know because I think like you know Kato was saying like there's an aspect where some people focus like every temptation mm-hmm. is Satan. it's Satan he's not omniscient he's not omnipresent, you know, omnipresent. Um, they don't want to take ownership right right so I think that there's an aspect where yeah is that balance that was mentioned but not that we necessarily know it's like 64 you said right like, to be aware too that while there is this, this spiritual warfare, there's an aspect of of still like our flesh and us. Yeah, that's one thing you have to get right is that Satan does not uh, he does not possess believers. <clears throat> Possession is when Satan takes over you and doesn't give you the ability to do as you would. He moves you. He speaks through you and does all of these things. And so um, Satan cannot make choices for you and use your body as he possesses unbelievers, right? So there can be temptation there, but ultimately the responsibility is on you. So we're, so we're not saying that, that I sin because of Satan, you know, ultimately the responsibility goes to you and he's not, he's not, uh, he can't control what you do. You know what I'm saying? It's just like there's some out there that I will take that they look at so much of a spiritual battle and so forth right and fail to amen amen no I, I think that's true we have to begin to take more responsibility for our own sin god holds us completely responsible for those things not satan buttressing kind of what he said yeah i know my sister she's a big time charismatic and uh-huh. say i was sick or someone was sick the difference between my prayer and hers would be i'm praying to god to have mercy and heal but she is casting out the demon in that person so what's the step balance here is you know like is yeah Satan behind every sickness is he i mean ultimately um is she right in casting him out in that situation how does that all work pastor emilio left right at that question why did he do that <laughs> pastor 
Um, I, I think, uh, I think that sometimes it can be very hard to tell, to be very hard to discern. I think that when you look at demon possession in the New Testament, it has its characteristics that are different from being sick, right? I think that, uh, like, demon possession is possession. And so it, it depends upon whether someone truly has their wits about them, whether they can remember things, whether they're, they're, they're acting spasmodically, you know, within their body, they can't control themselves. I mean, there's, you know, there's, this, there's very over-the-top, you know, kind of characteristics when Satan possesses someone. And then because we're fallen, our bodies are so weak and prone, you know what I'm saying, uh, to be sick. And, and, and the effects of the fall, not always because of Satan's, you know what I'm saying, his influence upon us. Um, but exactly, and, and sickness is, you know, something that, that, that the Lord, even in the cross, he applies to us, that he will heal us from our sicknesses. Of course, not all of your sicknesses, right? Uh, but he does in the New Testament, you know, so um, that, that's, and that was purchased for us on the cross. Um, did you have something, brother? Yeah, I was just going to just say the same thing anymore, because of, because of the fall, is a result of why we see sickness. But also you see in the Gospels where Christ says, when they ask him the question about the man that was born blind, was it because he sinned or his parents sinned? Right. And he says it's for the glory of God. And there are some instances where God is glorified in the healing of those that are Amen. Sick. Amen. And so you, exactly what you said. That's right. That's good. That's good. Does that make sense? I, I, but I, I, I mean, like, I... Uh, it's it's it, it depends. Is that person a believer? There you are, man. We were. I got a Satan question. I needed you. I need the uh, the the spiritual sensitivity of my pastor. I need that. Um, but amen, amen. I hope that helps. Let me ask you a question though before we leave. I want you to think upon this as we worship and meditate and live our lives this week. It's this question here: uh, Are you honoring God with your time? Right, We're, we see the onslaughts of Satan and his work against us when we are when we are uh, least at work for the kingdom of God. I mean, I mean that when we begin to uh, when we begin to, uh, to 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 fall back and comfort, begin to love just just being settled, being at ease, and with the neglect of our spiritual duties, we really begin to see Satan working upon us. Let me ask you this question. Are you honoring God with your time? What are you doing with your time? Satan does not want you to be meditating on the goodness of the Lord. Uh, And your own flesh wars against the Spirit of God. That's what we see in Galatians 5. The armor must be on and we must be aware, brethren, Uh, We must be aware of how different things in our lives affect the condition of our hearts. If we let down our guard and begin to settle our souls in lukewarm complacency uh, and idleness, then those things will begin to possess our minds and our hearts. Whatever, Whatever is surrounding your mind and heart the most, whatever you're giving yourself to, ask yourself, what benefit does that have to your heart? What benefit does it have to your mind? Because it can begin to possess your heart, possess your mind, and that's when we begin to build these ungodly habits, right? They're the godly habits, of course. We are to pray without ceasing. Prayer should be a habit, right? Something that we're constantly just going to the Lord, and we should have be in an attitude and a spirit of prayer throughout the day. There are godly habits, but we must watch the things that surround us. And I've seen this in myself. And so ask yourself that. How are you spending your time? And what benefit? How is that affecting your heart? What benefit does it have to your spiritual walk with Christ? And, I'll, and I just confess, like sometimes I'm on Facebook 
and I can just be there. I'm like, wow, I've wasted like an hour. You know what I'm saying? Or, or on the TV, whatever it might be. What is that doing uh, with your awareness in spiritual things as it, as it pertains to putting on the full armor of God, right? Is it something that you're just not aware of, right? And things like that, brother? Oh, amen, amen. <laughs> Building the godly habits. Let's go to worship.